And away we go. Welcome to Auto Off Topic. What's up, Brad? Oh, not too much, Andrew. What's going on with you? Oh, I just got back from the Northern Forest Rally a couple days ago. Excellent. Yeah. A good time was was had, I assume? It was good. I Instead of chasing around taking pictures, I helped uh, a bunch of people uh, as a crew member. So it was our friends with Iron Oxide Racing, which actually... Because we didn't have an episode last week, I replayed the uh, Spaghetti is for Finishers episode. Correct. Yeah, so, Iron Oxide Racing, now a two-car team. That's right. Uh, they still have the Golf. Uh, Liz drove it with a new co-driver, uh, actually a woman. First name's Allison. I actually can't remember her last name. She's a, she's done a lot of co-driving. She's a very good co-driver. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, and then Jordan built his own car, a Volvo 240, which. Yeah, for, from a stock car, which is impressive. Yeah, so somebody building it in his garage, it, it came out really nice. Yeah, it's yeah. a very well built rally car. And so, it didn't give us too much trouble. Until it did. Yeah. <laughs> um, Table that for later. And then I helped, we had three cars total, uh, Tuckaway Racing, Luke and Garnett, with a, they have a Mark III Golf um, with a pretty hot ABA in it. Like, it's got a cam, an intake, header. Like, the car doesn't make any power below 2,000 RPM. It's pretty okay. Cool. <laughs> and That's he's pretty kinda, fast. Kind of wild. So, okay. spoiler alert. They placed third in class. In the two-wheel drive. Uh, you know what? I don't what class. I don't know what class is. I'm so God, bad at like paying names. attention to what's going on. As far as that, like I was just there to like hang out and like make sure the car is like finished. Right. I've done service before. It's interesting. It's a different. It's a different perspective on the rally for sure. It is. I know they were in the same class as uh, Jesse. Why can't I think of his last name? All right, let's see. <laughs> what? Uh, what? Who are we looking for here? Uh, Luke Horrocks, I believe. Garnett Hayes. Look up the results. This is riveting. Yeah. Should have looked this up it beforehand. Is. I I will say that it's interesting. The website that it's on is ewrc-results.com. Yeah, they 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 do that. It's like a, that's like an aggregate site that like grabs every rally, yeah. thing ever. Except I'm but, not sure. So they must be in N. Oh, see, they're not open, right? No. Oh, ARA? ARA. So Keaton and Brandon were the winning event drivers at a Subaru, of course. And then yep. Ken and Jalissimo in a Hyundai. That car was pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, there's a whole thing with that. It's uh, Semyonk. Where the heck is... Uh, how do you say his last name? Yeah. Uh, so I guess the 
penultimate stage. They're really close. And I was surprised because we were told the road's really fast by everyone. None of the top guys wrecked. Really surprised. Because going into the second to last stage, Block was like 20 seconds. No, like three seconds behind the fastest Subaru. Okay. Um, and then I guess on the second to last stage, he beat the times for the Subarus, like took the lead. Yeah, he, he finished nine tenths of a second out of the lead over the whole event. Yeah. And then uh, I guess they had some like, the only thing that really put them behind was they had some like intercom issue or something they said. I don't know. But there was a big hubbub. So every year go to doing a forest rally, every year it's super hot. And every year it's right. really dusty. It's just yes, that's the way the event is. It's yeah, or it's it raining. It's only nothing, nothing in between. It doesn't. It hardly ever rains though. Yeah, it and has a couple rain, times though. Yeah. But even if it rains, it doesn't really kill the dust. So, because I was, I was talking to one of the older guys at rallies, our buddy Scott. Uh, at the end, he's and I was like, I said to him, I'm like, man, maybe if we got some rain, this dust would have been bad. And he's like, not really, because they're logging roads. And they're designed to not puddle and turn into mud. Like the material right. they use so the hard roads is, and it's made to drain really fast. So even if it rained, it would still dry out and it, it turns in this real silty, fine dust that just gets into the air and just hangs, especially if there's no wind. And okay. it's like a fog. So anyway, yeah, which we are well aware of. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was blowing brown boogers out of my nose for a day too. And I wasn't even on stages. It's just in like the parking lot. Um, but anyway, so the, I guess they didn't do a type of reorder and let the fastest guy go on the road first for the very last stage. And they got caught block, got caught in dust, even though they gave him a two minute dust window for every car, which that turned into a whole thing. Um, and there was this whole thing where they were really mad afterwards and there was a lot of shade being thrown at the uh, award ceremony and stuff. And I was like, all right, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> we're just playing yeah, with our seems like friends. <laughs> yeah. That seems like normal. so. Yeah. But it's, it's impressive, though, that Ken Block was able to gain that much time in the second last two stages. Because like I said, he finished nine tenths of a second behind after the whole event, that's pretty, it's pretty good. So, yeah. And they said they were only slow because of dust. Right. So it's like weird. Yeah. And Pastrana was four minutes behind them. So it wasn't even, you know, I mean, it's close cause it's over that much time, but it's also not that close, you know, let's see. It should be. Yeah. I can't find the full results. It only shows the top 14. So, I'm not quite sure what the where everything else is gonna be. It just seems a little seems a little off. Yeah, I was looking there. Didn't see their names either. Tool drive. Don't see their names there either. <laughs> this seems riveting radio. National. Yeah. Uh apparently. You can't even get the results on the website. I don't know where the results nope. are. Nope, that's what I was looking for. I can't find them. So 
That's why that's we didn't know Andrew. Fault. We were very we tried to prepare and we couldn't be prepared. So there's nothing here. So it's it's only nationals. It says I don't see any none of the local competitors are listed at all. Yeah, they're regional. Yep. Well, that's which thanks and hard to look up. Oh well, well. Um. Yeah. Anyway, I. I'm really. I don't know why I'm. It's late. I'm blanking on his last name. We. He's local. Jesse. He's driving driven Volkswagens forever, and he's very fast. Jesse Witzel. Yes. He's in the class. He was in the same class as the other car that I was servicing. With okay, that's cool. Yeah, he's quite and fast. I believe he won the whole class, or it came in second. Uh. The fun thing and the fun thing about regional rally and local rally is that I had just fueled up Lupin Garland at the fueling area. And uh, because Liz had an issue, we had an extra jug of fuel. She didn't need it. And Jesse was running so hard that the car literally ran out of fuel before it got to the little stupid square that you have to refuel within. Right. So him and the co-driver had to get out and they pushed it. Because nobody was allowed to touch it except them, they had they pushed it finally into the fueling area, and he's like, "Does anybody have an extra fuel?" And I was like, "Well, I got an extra can. I'll help you out." And, and I was like, "All right." And there's you know there's a bunch of officials around. I was like, "Before I touch his car, I can touch his car, right?" They're like, "Yeah, yeah, you can put fuel in it. It's okay. You won't break any rules." I was like, "All right, good. Don't get me thrown out <laughs> <Excellent>. here, <laughs> or make them lose because you, some yeah, dude put fuel yeah, in exactly." Guy. So they're like, no, no, it's fine. As long as you, as long as you're in the fueling area, people can refuel it, any right. crew. But outside of that, it would be a legal service. Okay, so, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, I gave so them what, some fuel. What all? They got, they got oh, some sorry. more fuel from other people. They got the car running, and they end up finishing. So that was kind of cool. Excellent. So what all is involved now in servicing the car in between stages? Um, I mean, Luke and Garnett's car, a really well-built car. Luke's really easy on equipment. We just put that car up and look it over, double-check wheel torques, tire pressures, maybe clean the windows, hand them, hand them waters, check fluids. Um, as long as they said the car felt fine, just shipped it. Right. Which uh, is an easy job. So when I did service quite a few years ago now, I had the same kind of easy job because we were doing crew for Al Moody and he had a Subaru and uh, he's very, it was a very good car. He's a very good driver. There was no issues. Literally it was the same thing. Every, every service comes in, check the car up, check it over, make sure there's no rocks in the brakes, torque the wheels, check the tire pressure, clean the windows, set him on his way. So it was really like, it was almost like a full service gas station more than anything else. Right. So it was pretty easy. And I mean, they had like a crack in the header and the other guy on the crew was a really good welder. He just welded up like super fast. Nice. Um, so then, yeah, that car is really easy. Liz's car, a little more tricky because problem with that car, uh, it's, it's not a bad car. It's just like it was a rushed car and it was a, previously purchased car from yeah it was built by somebody else you're dealing with somebody else's work and then it was rushed to get done and then on top of that it was wrecked once after that and then put back together so there's a lot of there's a lot of and more it, challenges a, with that it's car. a tired car um yeah. 
it did finish though but like that car is a little trickier we had to we had to double check stuff oh the other thing that uh and jordan did this too on luke and garrett's car on garnett's car um torque striped everything which makes perfect sense okay yep that way you can just go into the car and look oh none of the stripes are broken stuff's good everything's good yep yeah so uh make it through day one no problems no real problems um the saturday there's there's more stages up more up north uh and the cool thing now and in your service parks we've got cell service all the cars have to run rally safe which is a gps tracking uh unit right so rally hq and competitors you'll you'll you know where your team's car is all the time um if anything happens there's like an sos button uh so the people know where to find the cars which is cool so that's cool because we can sit there in the service park and see up oh, they're on stage right now up oh, they're transiting back and you kind of look at the map and go yep they'll be here they should be here on time or we're expecting them so that's cool but anyway we get a message on saturday when liz had service cars overheating battery came loose hit the fan like okay you know like battery hit the fan yeah so you, you know in like a european car and it's pretty common to have a battery bolt bolted down at the bottom yep yeah, it's a little clip that like clips in the bottom edge of the battery yeah it can't, like i guess the battery was a little too small and they had wedged a piece of steel in there and then bolted it down and so that piece of steel exited the vehicle because it was okay bumpy roads and then the battery slid from its mount towards the engine and smashed into the spinning fan okay did it break the battery no um okay. but the car overheated it broke she got it back and spinning yeah um because when you're driving it it was sort of okay um but it turns out it was and luckily it's the way i wired this fan is that it just because it jammed it it just blew the fuse after we looked at it perfect so so it didn't cause a fire and didn't burn out the motor no um but she missed like two stages so that effectively killed their rally um, right so they just want to go out and finish and then um that was the first service jordan's car came in we checked it out looked good retorked some stuff uh, oh, that he had bent a couple of wheels the night before, and I had bent them back, like just little lip bends. I hit him back. He's running the uh, turbo wheels, right? Yep, they're very soft aluminum, apparently. Apparently, since it's time for different wheels. Yeah, well, <laughs> definitely now. So then we, I know he like torque striped a bunch of stuff, and it's something we probably should have checked. We didn't think of it. Because I've never really seen it happen, but I guess it's from vibrations. Is actually I had it happen once on the on the first Montero, the Indian Montero, the a brake caliper bolt, uh, we think came loose, or it seems like it came loose on Jordan's car, and he was on stage, and it was the right front, and it seems like it came loose, and then the must have been the upper. I'm not actually I'm not sure which side if they're like 
which side the brake calipers are on, if they're on the front or in the rear mm. of the rotor. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Trailing or either. trailing or forward, whatever they call that. I think they're trailing on the front of that car, but I'm not. Yeah. Either way, positive. It it came loose, and I also didn't realize this, even though I've owned a couple of Volvos. I never actually did brakes on any of them. I never had them long enough. Uh, okay. You know, a lot of cars have, well, all cars have this. You've got the front and rear brake systems are technically separate. So if you lost one circuit, you'd still have at least two wheels with working brake pedal. And depending yeah, on dual the circuit, right? That, that's been, the yeah. Like 1967. Yeah. And then depending on the manufacturer, like a Subaru is like cross, my G20, I know, is a cross system. So instead of having front rear, it's left and right or opposite. So if you okay. lose one, you get a cross brake system. So the car doesn't. Sure. So you still have front and rear. Yeah. It's a little more stable. Um, you know, either way, it's good to have dual circuit. But what I didn't realize is that the way these girling calipers on the front of the Volvos are set up, they're, they're dual piston. Each piston is on its own circuit, too. So oh, there's two brake lines, two hydraulic lines going to each front caliper. Okay. Yeah, and that wild, and then and then so then those brake lines, so then those pistons are crossed. So not only do so, you have a cross dual circuit system, the so you have two lines pistons, going to each front caliper. Yeah, so it's redundant lines to each front caliper, which normally is good. Yeah, but it's not. That's not a normal thing on vehicles at all. Like I right. don't know. No, not at all. I've never, I've never, that. I've never seen that. Anything. Nothing yeah. I've owned has ever had that. That's for sure. Yeah. So if you lost one half of the circuit, you'd at least have you'd one still have four wheel brakes. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, that um, seems like a good idea in theory. It is a good idea until your brake caliper comes completely loose. So when it came right. completely loose, it ripped both brake lines out and drained all the fluid. And he was like top a third, I guess, 60 miles an hour, went into a corner, had no brakes. <laughs> Luckily, huh. it was a spot that had been kind of recently logged. And he somehow found the clearest exit of the roadway. <laughs> yeah, but, I saw some pictures. It was pretty deep. There is a video from the spectators that were there, and it literally looks like he's exiting the highway. Just whoop, just drives off. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. I'd like to see that. And, um, yeah, I went right down the embankment, and uh, luckily it wasn't that bad. It just the kind of the brush, the brush kind of slowed him down. Right. And uh, I forget, we... Somebody told us. I forget who told us. I forget how we found out. But we were like, they must be okay because they didn't send an SOS from the rally safe. So you're like, all right, that's good. We know they're fine. Because if it, yep. if the thing sees you stop on stage for some reason, like it's all geofenced and sure. like your, your speed comes to zero. One, it's got a G-force sensor. So if you go exceed a certain amount of G-forces, it automatically sends an SOS. Yeah, which makes sense. Two, if you just stopped uh, and it didn't see any response from you after a while, like there's a, a thing you'd have to hit 
to say, no, no, I'm okay. I'm alive. Right. If you don't hit that, it will also send an SOS. So, so it's kind of foolproof. Yeah. And they've been using things like this in Dakar for a while. So, which um, makes sense because the Dakar is so open and people could be anywhere. Yeah. So anyway, um, we figured out where they were. We sent our other crew guy, Chris, because he had a truck and a trailer and all the recovery equipment. It took him like three hours to recover the car. So effectively, their rally was was done. Because it was so deep. Yeah. Yeah. Three hours to recover the car. Plus, they also needed to fix the car at that point. Uh, they just put it on the trailer and pulled it out. Like he. I was saying, the if they downstairs. if they wanted to finish the the rally, they still have to fix the car after that. So who even knows? They didn't. I don't think they had it out to like the last stage was ended. So. Right. So then that was the that was uh, that's how the rally ended, and then I ended up going to the end of the last stage. Wanted to make sure Liz and Allison got out. And then made it back to Sunday River because it was still like another hour from the end of that stage to Sunday River of transit. Right. And when I was at the end talking to people I know, they did tell me there was a two-minute dust window. They gave everyone a two-minute dust window. Okay. So even that's that. I mean, that extends the event by how many cars there are left, which I think there was oh, like out of sixty-eight plus. starters, there was yeah. thirty-four cars left. So, so you get a little over an hour extra. Yeah. So I didn't, for a while, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm like, they should, it usually hasn't gone past eight. Now we're like approaching 830. I'm like, oh man, I hope that car is okay. Otherwise I'm going to have to go in, flat tow them back to Sunday River because our trailer is already occupied. Um, but triumphantly, they came around the corner at like almost nine o'clock <laughs> And, you know, we're so far up north, it's still kind of light out. So right, that was cool. <laughs> and uh, then I, I chased them back down to Sunday River, make sure they got there. And that was the end of the rally. Awesome. Yeah. Mostly a success. So what's the damage report on, on the Volvo over Jordan? Do you know? Definitely is a caliper. Okay. Uh, it, it's, it broke the wheel that the caliper was on. Like it okay. punched through the aluminum. Exploded the caliper. A um, couple of the bumper pieces a little loose. Looks like he bent the bottom of the front right fender in. Like you just push it out. But really, the car doesn't look that much worse. The picture I saw, if you didn't tell me, I never would have known. No, it it like I don't know. It's a Volvo, I guess. It did Volvo things. Yeah. <laughs> it broke the forest. Yeah. Right. The area didn't need to be. The air is ready to be uh, deforested, and it's taken care of now. Yeah, no stress. Well, so that's awesome. That was, I'm glad everybody was good. Yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, yeah. Awesome. We, all the cars made it. Well, all the cars made it back home. <laughs> right. Nobody got hurt. So, well, which uh, is all you can really be happy about, you know. I'll uh I'll be helping them rebuild and uh, do some other rallies. Excellent. Well, it sounds like a a good time was had. Next year I will be there. I missed it this year, unfortunately, just because I'm uh, had too much going on. And airline tickets right now are a ridiculous price. 
and I had to do the math of like cost to do the event versus, you know, not cost to do the event. And the cheapest airline tickets I could find were like $800 round trip. So I was like, I'm not spending $800 to go spend three days in the woods, unfortunately, this year. And so it didn't work out. Plus, I got a lot of the stuff going on this this time of year, this year, and it's just going to happen. But I've only I missed was, it like twice. So I don't do next understand. Year. It's like super annoying. Like one weekend in the summer is loaded with every single event I would want to go to at once. It's super annoying because your your dad's show at Misslewood. Yep, which went off pretty big this year. I saw some pictures, some wild stuff. Yep, couldn't go because I was at the rally. Yep. Uh, IMSA at Limerick Park, couldn't go because I was at the rally. Yep. Uh, what else was there? If I wanted to go, the NASCAR race was also that week, this past weekend. Correct. Don't tell me the results. I still have like 50 laps left to watch. So, yeah, super annoying uh, that there's oh, like... And the Audrain <laughs> did their... Um... Young Timer Classics event. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Too many things. Really annoying. Yeah. Can we, like, spread them out, please? Right. Summer is pretty long. Let's make it uh, Let's make it all full. Let's not do it all one weekend. Yeah, one weekend in July. Come on. Um, but anyway. There awesome. was some... Yeah, there was some cool car stuff that came out this week. From as far as new all, car stuff? Yeah. From of all places as Hyundai. Oh yeah, they did their electric hybrid or a hydrogen electric. What are they doing? It's a hydrogen. It's a fuel cell electric vehicle that uses hydrogen. Right. Um, so it's fast charging because you just fill it with hydrogen. Right. It's damn cool. It's really cool. It's the Envision seventy four. Uh, and it's based on the, you know, it looks good because it's based on the Jajaro designed Hyundai Pony. Correct. Now, I feel like I've talked about Hyundai ponies on this show before, have I not? Maybe. I don't remember. So do you know what a Hyundai Pony is? I can see it now because uh, I'm looking at the website for the N74. Okay. The little hatchback one? Yep. So they made them from like 1975 until 92 or so, I think. Yeah. And they sold them in Canada. They never sold them here, but they did sell them in Canada. So the basic structure of the car, the like the floor and frame rail structure is a 1974 Mitsubishi Gallant. So the same floor as my gold sedan. Hmm. The engine and trans is the two liter 4G52, same as my 74 Colt Gallant. But the rear diff is out of a German Ford Taunus, which is strange. Um, But the front suspension is all Mitsubishi as well. And actually, a friend of mine has a set to send me of Hyundai Pony front struts because they're actually an inch and a half shorter than the Gallant struts, so you can lower the car with those. Weird. Right? So this is based on the Pony Coupe that they never saw it went into production. Correct. Concept. Yeah. So the Pony came in a four-door hatchback and a two-door pickup truck. Yeah. 
Tudor pickup truck is one that I would like to actually find one in Canada because I think it's kind of neat. So there are a few left, not very many. But they are wild cars. <laughs> it's very much like all early Hyundai stuff. It's all badge or all, I should say, you know, parts bins from other companies put together to make a car for them. But anyway. It's interesting, though, the side profile of the Pony Coupe is very much of that. Lancia Beta, or uh, not Lancia Beta, not Beta, the uh, Lancia Monte Carlo, what they yeah. call it here. Yeah, but I even see in the B pillar and C pillar is is uh, Starion. Well, that's what I see in the concept. Yeah. For sure. I looked at it and I was like, man, it's almost like Hyundai gave us the new Starion we've been begging Mitsubishi for forever. And I know the, the popular thing people have been saying is DeLorean, but that's just because people are sheep and don't know other cars exist. And also that it's silver. Because it's silver. Yeah. If it wasn't silver, you wouldn't say DeLorean. Um, it's It has the same B pillar, A pillar as a Starion. It's got box flares. It has the same kind of squared off rear hatch area with the separate hatch and separate side glass. It's all, which the, which the DeLorean doesn't have. Um, it's all very very starion looking and i i love it because of that and i love it even if i wasn't a starion fanboy that geeks out of starions all the time uh it's a super cool design and it's just modern enough while looking old and not being like in your face retro you know i feel like every retro car is always like oh look at me i'm super cute and retro whereas this is like a modern car that harkens back enough to retro style well, what do I keep saying? If you're going to give me something futuristic, give it some style for me. Yeah, exactly. And the headlights are cool. So Hyundai's been doing a bunch of concepts lately. They did one of the Galloper, which is their Montero-based thing. They did one of the... Ugh, the name's it's, it's, it's not the Debonair, because it's Mitsubishi, but it's their it's version. It's the Hyundai it. version of the Debonair, yeah. That one was super cool as well. And they've done a bunch of cool concepts lately. They all have these these like very modern but also vintage looking LED lights. So they do the shape of old school car lights, but with LEDs. So not like just replacing a housing with an LED housing that looks terrible, but making their own like custom lights that look like square housings but aren't. I just I, I whatever they're doing, I'm I'm like way in for it. And their N division, which is headed by the guy who used to run the M division of BMW, which is why they're so cool all of a sudden, uh, has come on strong in the past few years. I mean, that N Veloster was like performance car of the year. And this year they have the N Elantra and the N Kona, and they've both been getting like super high praise from the media as well. So, and and I like their tagline, which shows the N, like their stylized N, and then it's N never stop driving which is cool yeah i like the idea that they're trying to make exciting uh alternative fueled vehicles yep and with that and then (laughs) part of me is sad though because i'm like looking at this and i'm like well this is what mitsubishi should have become yeah especially considering hyundai wouldn't exist without mitsubishi so i think it's even a little more irritating because of that. <laughs> yeah, they certainly could have. Especially could have built a car like this. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it it, it is. 
It is a Mitsubishi. It is a Starion. Oh, I just I just pulled it up on the internet. First article. Hyundai's hydrogen-powered Envision 74 concept is the DeLorean concept we wanted. Stop it. It's not a DeLorean. No. It's not, not everything is a DeLorean. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that everybody wants it to be a Starion either. It's obviously clearly my, you know, my own internal wishes and hopes, but I don't see any DeLorean in the car at all other than it's slightly wedge-shaped and it's silver. Yeah. It's cool because it's... Uh twin engined sorry twin motor rear wheel drive right um the interior is really cool looking that's a really cool concept and, it, and it's real it's not a render it's real. that's the coolest as i say the coolest thing with the whole thing is that it's not a, it's not a render it's an actual vehicle yep so and they built two of them too they built one which is a, a very modern style um and it's very cool the rn22e which is their like super hopped up version of the other future electric Hyundai, the Ionic six. Yeah. So it's super like, I don't know. The Ionic six has a lot of Porsche lines to it. Yeah. Without being a direct copy, but the one they showed here and there's videos of these things like driving and drifting and just being beaten the crap out of. And they're, uh, they're pretty exciting to watch. And I kind of like them. I kind of want one. But then speaking of Hyundai's, uh, we were behind one on the way home from work today. And, uh, you know, Stephanie and I carpool, and we're on Route 1, and I'm like, it's very hot and humid today. Take a drink if we're talking about weather. Um, and I'm like, can we see the humidity? Is that what we're seeing? She's like, I think so. And then we get, like, a mile up, and it's a Hyundai Santa Fe, like, early one, a real bubbly sure. one, completely mosquito fogging in the entire Route 1. like Oil? Oil. Yeah, so that blue smoke, like I cannot believe. Yeah, so that <laughs> Mitsubishi base V6. I was gonna say you can blame <laughs> Mitsubishi for that one. <laughs> it's totally lost its valve seals. I mean, That's this a, thing is pouring so much oil. Like it literally looked like a NASCAR when they blow the engine. I'm like, how is this guy a, still driving this thing down Route One? Six G seven two problems. I mean, it's mine. Sometimes would it blow some smoke on startup. This thing is like the guy was just idling in traffic and it was billowing. Right. smoke. It's like, how, like, how are you still driving this? There was a brand new 2022 F-150 in front of me on the highway the other day. Still on temp tags that was blowing white smoke like that. Or blue lost smoke the like turbos. That. Maybe it was a EcoBoost and lost the turbos. It got, it was a brand new still temp tag 2022 truck. Like, <laughs> and it was already blown up. I was like, oh man, that's, that's, that's a warranty claim right there for sure. I saw this like huge plume of like blue and white smoke, and I was like, "Oh, somebody's having a bad day." And I got up to it, and I was like, "Holy crap! It's a brand new truck! <laughs> what the hell happened here?" <laughs> so it can happen to anything, I guess. All it takes is that yeah. one, that one manufacturing flaw, and next thing you know, you're in trouble. So uh, table that flaws. too, because I have a blue smoke conversation for later. But moving on. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of manufacturing flaws, what do you get for project car updates? Oh, those aren't manufacturing flaws. Those are just time flaws. Man, where did I leave off? It's been so long as they recorded an episode that didn't have a guest or we were just, we were just talking I about I think cars. you had put the Civic back together. Oh, and it was broken still? Yeah. All right. So I put the Civic back together and it was broken still. Um, no, you put it back together and you had adjusted the valves, I think, and it ran. Maybe. Maybe well, we talked about that. Right. We adjusted the valves and it ran. But I still needed a new cam because in the 
horrible, horrific rookie mistake that I made. Let me rewind it a little bit anyway, just because. So the stupid car, I mean, the beautiful car, the stupid car was running fine when we bought it. That's the reason we bought the car. It was super cheap. It ran great. Didn't blow smoke. Had ice cold air conditioning. Dropped a valve. Fine. Life goes on. It is what it is. Swapped the cylinder head. Huge rookie mistake. Like the biggest of rookie mistakes. Didn't. So I'm going to admit to something right now and everybody's going to make fun of me. So you all ready? Starting with you, Andrew. All right. Go ahead. I have a torque wrench. My torque wrench goes to 20 foot pounds. Okay. The torque spec on the cam tower on a Honda engine is 14 foot pounds. Mm -hmm. I don't have a torque wrench that goes that low. So, 14 foot pounds is like wrist. What's that? 14 foot pounds is like wrist tight. Right. So, in my stupidity, my brain says, what's six foot pounds? I'm going to use my 20 pound torque wrench and I won't go all the way to click. I'll stop it before it gets there. So, that's how I put the cam tower on. Okay. When we went to start the car, it cranks over. And everything seems fine. But it doesn't sound like it's making compression. I initially thought the valves were way out of whack. What was happening was the... So the the cam has a keyway on it that locks the cam gear in, correct? Yeah. The torque of the starter motor is apparently stronger than that keyway. Which doesn't seem correct, but it is. The difference between 14 foot-pounds and 20 foot-pounds was enough to lock the cam in place. The motor turned over. And it snapped the keyway off the cam. And the cam gear just spun freely on the cam. Which is why it didn't sound like it was making compression. Because it wasn't. Because it wasn't spinning the cam. Yeah, that's really weird. Right? So that difference between 14 foot-pounds and 20 foot-pounds is apparently uh, make or break. You're talking about and, the, the caps that go over the cam yes. shaft? Yep. I mean, those really shouldn't. So specifically, it's the ones in the ends that have the seal on them. It's weird. Usually they're a, like, they have like dowels that line them up and I wouldn't think that you could crush them. Yeah, well, you can apparently. So that's what happened. And that's why that all went down. So... Trust me, I didn't believe it either at first. Um, But once we figured it out, we took the cam out before we even went out and bought more parts. Because now we're like, we probably just bent all the valves. Because the pistons are flying up and down and the valves are staying still. Right? So some of them probably got hit. So now we're all annoyed. I pulled the cam out. We 
lined it up to where the cam gear and the keyway were and like tacked it together and then put it back together and kind of like hand tightened everything <laughs> like 14 foot pounds isn't very much so we just hand tightened everything uh, and did a compression test with that and everything was fine it made you know 130 across the board which is good it's a healthy engine like 120 to 140 or something was the range so it made like 128 128 127 128 or something like that so we were totally totally stoked that's like, all right I'm not going to drive this car though with the cam gear being like barely held on. I'm going to get another cam and another cam gear from a junkyard car. So I had a friend of ours who was at the junkyard said, Hey, there's two, there's two D16 Honda Civics here and one D15 car. So I can get the cam out of a D16 car and the cam gear out of a D15 car because we have in our current setup. He's like, do you want to grab that? And we're like, absolutely. So it was like 40 bucks in parts, right? So he grabs all those, comes back, puts it together. All is well. The only issue is the crank seal is leaking, which we didn't do the first time. We're sure I should have. Um, went ahead, did the crank seal again, had to do the timing belt again and everything. We were able to, well, we had to do the timing belt anyway because the cam gear was off, right? Um, got everything worked out, get the car all back together. I don't have valve cover bolts. Like, whatever, we're just going to start it. And it'll leak oil, we know it, but it's fine. So we start it, and it's wrapping like crazy. We're like, man, this car is going to be the death of us. Look down, start playing with stuff. The timing belt is super loose. Super loose. Like, you can move it way too much. So apparently it's supposed to be tight enough so you can like turn it a quarter of a turn on the front side and then not much more than that. It snaps back. So what I didn't realize is there's no tensioner on this setup. There's like a, a tensioner in, built into like the, the gear itself. I mean the um, the pulley itself, not pulley, the like the guide pulley. It doesn't have like a spring-loaded tensioner. And in order to set it, you have to manually crank the engine backwards two full rotations before you start it. And it sets the tension on the belt properly. Didn't know that. So anyway, we did that and started the engine again and it was nice and quiet and all was well. It was pissing out oil everywhere. So we shut it down and said, all right, we'll get some, head, some uh, valve cover bolts for it. Got the valve cover bolts for it yesterday, put it all together, move the car over here, fire the car up. It's literally smoking like it doesn't have valve seals at all, which it didn't do before. So runs great. Sounds good. Doesn't smoke at idle. Smokes a second you get on the throttle. Um, so now I got to figure that out. If it's a big deal, the car is being sold as is. Uh, if it's something simple, I'll fix it. But I'm not tearing the motor apart again. It's taking away time from other project cars. So at this point, it's like just going to stop. You know what I mean? Hmm. So it's a bit frustrating, but I was hoping to have the car as a commuter for at least the rest of the summer because it has like super dark tinted windows and ice cold air conditioning and gets 
40 miles to the gallon. But not sure that will work so well now. So it's really weird. It's all weird, right? And I guess it all could have been saved by me preparing a little better. Had I bought like a, a manual and read up on how to do the timing belt properly and instead of just reading specs on the internet, I probably would have figured it all out. But yeah, hey, it is what I it mean, is. That's only what I talk about all the time. But don't listen to me. I know. And honestly, I, I do have manuals for everything else. And it just was one of those things where I wasn't expecting to do the work. Uh, the car isn't anything that I bought with the intention of like keeping it forever. So it was just like one of those things where I was like, oh, it shouldn't be a big deal. It's a single cam car. It's a very simple setup. It's not a VTEC car. Like it's literally just an eight valve head. Like how hard can this be? Right. But turns out, uh, turns out pretty hard. So, yeah, it's not that they're hard. It's that there's like quirks you don't know about. Yep. Yep. Um, if, it, if it was a Mitsubishi, it would have been back up and running like nothing, but it's not. So, and you know, there's probably PDFs of that or something online. It's probably not even a book yet. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. I'm not going to worry about it right now. We're going out of town tomorrow, so I'm just going to kind of let it sit and I'll think about it and I'll do some reading while I'm out and about in the road and go from there. So, what other news do I have? Oh, the eclipse is broken. That's a fun one. (laughs) So... Fun story with the eclipse. Where do you want me to start? I don't know. It wasn't broken last time we talked, right? Not at all. Okay. So rewind to a week ago Friday. So like 10 days ago. I'm driving home from work. Now, there's no radio in the car right now. I took the radio out to put an aftermarket radio in. And they sent the wrong harness with the radio. So I didn't have a harness with a radio back in. I wasn't going to reinstall the old radio. I was like, I'll wait for the harness to come and it'll be fine. Man, what's up with us in radios? Right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The connector was literally backwards. So it has two big pins and then like the six small pins and the two big pins on the wrong side of the connector. So I have the right connector now so I can fix it, but I'm not going to fix it till the car runs. So I, oh, let me fast forward and rewind even before then. I got the windows tinted in the car because I drive it every day and the German spec glass in the side doesn't have any UV protection in it. Like you put your sunglasses on, you don't see any bubbling or anything in the window. It's totally clear and it burns on the way home and I can't get in the car after work and I can't even touch the steering wheel. It's so hot. I know, I know I moved to Arizona. It's my fault, but nonetheless, um, found a great tint shop here in town thanks to Jordan here uh, Vader Tint was the name of it I'll throw my throw, throw their name out there they uh, showed me all the different films they have and like the, the super fancy extra good new ceramics that they have that block out like 90% of the UV or 98% of the UV and they also block out heat while still having the same percentages of normal tint so Got some of that done. Got it done pretty dark because the roof is black in the car, so it looks good. It's like 15% all around, except for the windshield, obviously. Um, car looks killer, and it's so much better in the hot sun after work now. Yeah, it's way better having tint. 
Yeah, it's amazing how much better it is. Just putting it in the the cars here because, yep. like I said, when we're driving south into work, the sun is on you. When you're driving north to go home, the sun is on you. Yeah. Well, the worst part here is that all the roads are a grid. So if you're driving, you never you don't even like the road does never even bend. So the whole time you're driving, you're just sun is just pouring in the driver's window for the same reason, driving north, driving south. So anyway, so that's that was all good. And then that following Friday, I'm driving the car home. And now the radio's not in the car. This is another embarrassing story. Everything's my fault this week, Andrew. So there's no no way around it. I'm holding a, a can of our favorite Polar Seltzer in my right hand, right? Okay. I'm driving down the road, and I rested it on the center console for one second to change into my sunglasses from my regular glasses. And as I did that, somebody cut me off and I hit the brakes. All right. It's just I, water. No big deal. I, I reached for the can and you know how you reach for something and you just miss it from your grasp and like you fling it because it like rolls out of your fingers. Yeah. So I flung it and it disappeared into the dashboard. Because oh, went through gone. the big, the double din opening, the giant double din opening, <laughs> and it's a full can oh, of seltzer no. now bouncing around inside the dashboard. Oh, which, if you is. if you know these cars, that's where the ECU is. Yes. So anyway, the ECU is totally bone dry. I'm like, crap, that really sucks, and I'm really pissed off. I fish it out of there. It's half empty now, so I'm like, all that water went somewhere. And I, I'm like driving the highway, trying to look at the ECU, and everything's nice and dry on the connectors and the ECU, and I'm like, all right, that's cool. Also, fun fact, looking at the ECU, it was replaced in 2016. So it's a fairly new ECU. Um, or remanufactured in 2016, I should say. Yeah, they can still go bad, though, <laughs> even after they're remanufactured. I've had anyway, that happen. I've gone through like two of them. So I'm driving down the road, and all of a sudden, I put the clutch in to shift gears. The revs drop, and the car dies. I'm going fast enough that I'm able to coast off the side and get on like the breakdown lane on highway 17 here in Phoenix, which is like it's rush hour. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. So I pull over, I open the hood and I'm like, all right, what's happening here? Now, I also forgot to say that I did a full tune up on the car the weekend prior. So I did plugs and wires. I did a valve cover gasket, PCV and oil change. Um, so I'm like, what, what What did I screw up? I must have screwed something up. I don't know what it is. I'm looking around the car. I'm looking at all the connections. Everything seems fine. I, I don't know. Is the crank in the car over? It's not starting. I'm like, crap. Maybe I got water on something I shouldn't have got water on. So anyway, I'm on the side of the road. I got the hood up just so I'm more visible. Um, I get back in the car. I hail Mary. Start it one more time. Fires right up. Sweet. I jump out of the car. Slam the hood, get back on the road, drive all the way home. Not a problem at all. This is Friday. Car only has like sixteenth uh, of a tank of gas in it. Like I was planning on getting gas that night, so it's pretty low. Like it's just above the line where like the light will go on, right? But the light's it's not pretty on. low. It's pretty low, but the light's not on. The only thing is, when you're commuting in a car that has a tiny gas tank, you know, you have to get gas all the time. It's super dumb. Anyway, I'm like, all right, maybe. Talking to a friend, talking to Chris about it. He's like, maybe we have this problem on the Audis out here. When the tank is really low, 
and the car is that low to the ground and it's 115 degrees, the heat from the pavement and the heat on the fuel in the tank and the heat from the return fuel in the tank, everything just combines to boil the fuel and you get a vapor lock issue. Maybe you had vapor lock. I was like, hmm, I've never heard that in a fuel injection car, but I guess that makes sense. So the next morning I go to run an errand and I'm on my way to run the errand. I haven't gotten fuel yet. One of my things to do this morning is to get fuel. On the way to this errand, the car dies. After it's been on for a little bit. I'm like, all right, same thing. Shut it off. I wait 15 minutes later, fire the car up, drive off. So to me, something's overheating, right? So maybe it is that fuel. Fill the car from, you know, E to full. Drive the car from that Saturday all the way through the week to Friday. Every commute to and from work, not a problem at all. I'm like, sweet. It must have been that issue, right? Because I've been keeping over a half tank in it. I haven't had an issue. Chris was right. That's what it was. Not a big deal. I'll just remember that I can't run the tank low in the summertime. Friday night, after the whole week is over, I'm out with Naomi. We're running a few errands. We're all done with our errands. Actually, I registered the Porsche, ironically now. Uh, I go to drive home, and we pull out of the Target parking lot in Bell Road here. And I'm in first gear. Everything's good. We shift into second. Car dies. I'm like, God damn it. This almost a full tank. What the hell? Same thing, I have enough speed, I'm able to coast off the road and do a Walgreens parking lot. She's like, what do we call a tow truck? I'm like, no, just give it 10, 15 minutes, something will cool off, the car will start. I gotta figure out what's wrong with this car. So 10, 15 minutes goes by, no start. Now I get out, I'm looking at everything, no start. So it's I start crank, reading. No start? It's crank, 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 no start, yep. So I crawl onto the car and I'm like, hey, can you crank it for me? Because you don't, the fuel pump doesn't kick on until the key until the starter engages, I don't think. I got to double check that. Off the top of my head, I don't know. I'd have to look. Yeah. Um, so I'm under the car. I'm like, all right, crank the car. And I hear a crank in the car. And I can hear what sounds like the fuel pump kicking on. I'm like, all right, well, the fuel pump's fine. So I'm doing a little more research. And I'm reading other people that have had this fault. And it seems like people have had the fault where... The car does it a couple times and restarts, and then eventually doesn't start. And every time that happens, it's been the um, yeah, the injection control, ejector control module, the ICM. It's this little like eight pin connector on the side of the block underneath the coils or the, uh, the coil pack. You know what I'm talking about? It's the igniter. Yeah, the igniter is a good word for it. They don't call it that. They call it, they call it an ICM. So if you look up igniter, uh, there is you look up igniter everywhere. It doesn't exist for a Mitsubishi. They call it an ICM. But yes, it's an igniter. That's I think that's, I've only ever heard people call that an igniter. Yeah. Well, look one up right now. You can't find one for a Mitsubishi called that. It's called ICR. I I see. I think it's ICM injector control or ignition control module. Anyway, so like everybody says, it's that. I'm going to buy one. It's probably what it is. I'm not going to diagnose this any further. Um, it'll be here in a day from Amazon at $16, whatever. So that part came in and I switched it all over. It's uh, not easy to get 
super easy to get to and cut my arm all up. But nonetheless, I got it taken care of. I'm like, great, car's gonna start now. Go sit in the car. Nothing. Crank, 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 no start. So I start going back to the books and reading. Do you know what is inside that pocket where the ECU is where my soda can went? On the bottom where all the water went? Uh, no, I don't have my head. I don't remember. That's where the fuel bump relay lives. So maybe the fuel bump relay went bad. Maybe the fuel pump went bad. Um, I'm not going to. I don't. I don't even know at this point. I'm. I'm super frustrated. I don't have those parts on hand. I look up how to do a fuel pump on this car because every Mitsubishi I've ever dealt with is done through the floorboard, right? Only yeah. the front wheel drive eclipses don't have an access for it. You have to drop the tank. So, I haven't done it yet. Um, I just didn't have time. There's too much going on this week. We're going away tomorrow. I had too much going on with work and with getting ready to go. So it's not been fixed now. Um, I'm just going to order a relay and a pump that I have them both on hand. I think what I was hearing under the car when I was having to turn the key was actually the power antenna, but I was all frustrated inside the road broken down. So car doesn't have a power antenna. Yes, it does. No, it should have a whip antenna. Mm, it's got a power antenna. What? Yep. It's weird. Yep, it's got a power antenna. I guarantee you that. <laughs> it's weird. So, Every DSM has a whip antenna. Every American market DSM. Weird. Yep, it's got a power antenna. So, it doesn't go up and down, but the motor kicks on. So... But the radio is not in there. So maybe it's not that. I don't. Fucking, I don't know. I, I gotta. I gotta do more digging. I'm just. I'm a little bit frustrated with it. I don't know. You know. I have sometimes. I have a harder time diagnosing fuel injected newer cars because I don't really know where to go. Um, it's too old to have OBD ports to just plug in and tell you what's wrong. But it's too new to just be, you know, a fuel filter and a carburetor. So it's super easy. You either have power at the Fuel pump connector, you don't. Or you don't, yeah. But the problem is, I can't get to it without taking, without jacking the car up and taking the tank down. And I don't want to. I don't want to go through all that and not have the part on hand. You know what I mean? I'm not planning on selling the car anyway, so I'm just gonna buy the fuel pump. There's and buy the... no, I, uh, there's a fuel pump power check port under the hood. Now that I'm remembering it. Is there? I'll find it for you after the podcast here. If that exists, I'll do it tonight. Go from there. There is a yes. There's a plug on the firewall that you can check for power at. Okay, interesting. If I'm, if I'm remembering right, I'm not imagining it. Anyway, I ordered a repair manual. Common thing that oh, I was just gonna say I have an extra. I could just mail it to you. Oh well, I ordered. Well, was it a good one or a children's? I have the I have like extras the old Haynes one. It was probably yeah. one of yours that ended up at my house. Probably. Well, I ordered the Chilton's one, so when you come out here, bring the extra Haynes one if you got one. That'd be great. Won't hurt to have And I have both. the factory one. <laughs> yeah, well, I won't steal that from you, but I didn't. Uh, nobody had a factory one easily available right now, so I just ordered the, the Chilton. But anyway, 
So that's the story with that guy right now. It's not running. It's broken. I got to finish diagnosing it. I just haven't had time yet. But like I said, I'm going to order the fuel pump and the relay anyway, just because it won't hurt to have them on hand. Um, Where's the relay from? What do you mean? Where are you getting the relay from? There's one. There's some on eBay. Yeah, because I was going to say it's like a specific, like, it's not like a normal looking relay. It's like a big No, it's a big silver box. Thing. Yeah. 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 yeah there's, a bunch, there's a bunch on eBay. They're all used, but they're tested. So, yeah, I have a couple sitting around here that pull out of parts cars. Oh. Anyway, I don't know if it's the same for the front wheel drive and turbo and non turbo. I think it is. But whatever. So, regardless, car's broken. It's annoying. But the good thing is it broke on the way back from the DMV registering the 944. So, at least I've had that registered this week. So. Like I said, I'll fix it when I get back. I'm just frustrated at this moment in time. Too much going on to fix it. So It's probably the fuel pump. Usually they'll kind of want to run for a bit when the ECUs are going bad. Okay. Yeah. Well, usually you can smell the ECU too when it's burnt up inside. Nope. No. <laughs> no. I was never able to. Yeah, I, I had a bad one. So. Didn't smell. Hmm. I don't know. I've I've had one. I had one go bad. Had it fixed. A few years later, went bad again. Had it fixed again. It's been good so far. Well, here's a thought. Because the other day I was super frustrated and I was like, I'm just gonna send it somewhere and have it fixed because I don't feel like dealing with it. And then I couldn't bring myself to do it. Yeah. Should I just send somewhere to have it fixed or should I try to fix it myself? There's a couple things we can check, but the okay. the problem is you can send it somewhere to have it fixed, but I'm not sure they're going to do it right. Right. That's my, that's part of my so, thought. My other thought so it's is like, like pointless to send it to someone who's just going to do just as poor as you. No offense at diagnosing it. So right. you, you might as well try to diagnose it. All right. Well, that's my thing. We've 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 built this whole image of ourselves in this podcast as these DIY guys to do everything ourselves, right? So I was like, yeah. I was just gonna send it somewhere, and then I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's well, like I had the I had the golf over at Audubon. They did my oil change. Sure, brand new car, right? Right. That's why I had it over there because I don't want to deal sure. with it. And also, you have a history of being done. Because now in a system yeah. somewhere, and it's like a whole—they got to drop that tray, and it's a whole thing. Sure, right? but like that car is really easy to diagnose because <laughs> it has all the OBD two stuff, and right. everybody's used to using modern cars, right? So if you bring a car that's thirty years old to a place now, they're like, I, "What? They're like, what are you doing? You, they're like, get a new car, idiot." Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Which is what my brain was telling me all week long. Yeah. I kept looking up like what the cheapest brand new cars are to buy, and I was like, I could see myself in an Elantra. <laughs> I can't, by the way, but that's where my brain went all week. And I was like looking at non-diesel Volkswagen station wagons, like my old one, but just with the four cylinder. Yeah. When I was like, they're like six grand. I'll just buy one of those. <laughs> no, I have enough cars. I should be able to make them run. So basically, my stories today on this entire podcast are all just. Uh, my cars are broken. I try to fix them, but I'm dumb. So it just it's it's got me down. Uh, got me a little down. We'll put it that way. So 
All and especially because right. I'm, I'm literally going to be out of town for 10 days. So I'm going to be stewing on this now for 10 days. And I'm like, shit. So annoying. All right. I've got a satisfying project car update. Okay. Hit me I with started it. the Adventure Driven Design bumper kit. Yep. The Montero. I, Correct. Um, Josh had some time. This is when I was on vacation. I was able to call him. Actually, video uh, FaceTimed. Looking at the truck. Looking at the kit. He's telling me about it. How he set it up. Because I was kind of confused with the wings. You can mount the wings inside or outside. Like He's like, oh, on the new kits, I actually write outside, outside. Okay. Because I was like, first had it together. I'm like, this doesn't look wide enough. Because it's adjustable width for narrow body and wide body trucks. If you do it one way, it'll only fit on a narrow body truck. If you do it the other way, you can adjust it. Sure. So I figured that out. You get the center section in. uh, It's got little like square holes and notches on the end plates in the center section. And you actually hammer those together. And you can make them nice and square. And we used some... My dad helped me to this. We used some uh, nice big wood clamps he had and made them nice... Made the thing nice and tight, and then I tacked it, and then I put it back on the truck, and we got a big straight edge, and we put the wings on, because one of the things Josh was telling it, when you do the wings, if you don't have them, like, hooked to a straight edge, they, like, they'll, like, fall outwards and twist. Okay. So they'll be crooked. So we got we it all look, obviously. perfectly straight. It was kind of crazy. I didn't even really expect it. Well... The front of this truck is apparently has never been hit. It's nice and square. Right. And then sitting in my dad's garage, which has a good level floor, and the straight edge on it, which was actually an eight-foot level, It the bubble on the level was perfectly level. I did not expect that. Nice. I don't know why. I was like, just... Oh, it's I was a 30-year-old like, truck. A little bit off, 20-year-old right? truck, yeah. You just assume it's going to be... Yeah, it's sitting on suspension. Like, like I didn't... You know, I cranked the torsion bars. I didn't. Who knows if I did them evenly? It sounds like we all know now. I guess so. Yeah. So that that was pretty cool. I had it all tight, nice and straight. Uh, I think I tacked it on the truck real quick, pulled it off. I did all my welds from the inside, and then the hardest part is the. It's the bumper kit is made from flat steel folded into origami to make the shape. Yep. And Josh has told me in the newer kits, he's closed up these split gaps on the wings. But he said the best thing to do, and I went up to Home Depot, got eighth inch round stock. To fill it. To fill it. Put it in from the back, tacked it, like you said, and then then I'm not trying to jump a huge gap with the weld. Right. I got them all welded up nice. It really stiffened up the, the end pieces. Um, I ground them down. It looks pretty good. It's like cool looking. So have you posted pictures of it? I don't think you have. No, uh, I was gonna do the whole thing like start to finish. I'll post some pictures of it. Okay. I got a stinger for the front of it, which he showed me how he sectioned his to make it wide enough. So I ordered extra dom tubing. I got a cut uh, dom tubing that fits inside of the singer, and then extend it like three inches out, and then right. weld that, and then weld it to the bumper. And then that has little gussets to go on it because I want to make sure it clears my fog lights I'm putting in. And I got a couple pre-made gussets from Summit 
that I'm going to put on the inside because the top piece, right, is flat, but the bottom is kind of open. And there should be space where I can add these little three inch gussets that'll kind of help if you get tapped on the edges, it'll help make it stiffer. So for those that aren't kind of unaware of what's happening, that bumper kit is kind of like a, um, what's the big brand everybody knows? ARB. Yeah, like an ARB style front bumper, but made, you know, locally here in Phoenix by uh, Montero. Yeah, it's a DIY kit. Montero and Guru even, Josh. And even the ARB one, if you do find a Montero one, they weren't made for U.S. Montero, so you even still have to do some modifications to the way they mount. So it's just a better opportunity because, A, you're helping out uh, a local in the scene and uh, also getting a cool part. Yeah, it kind of ends up being a uh, – there's a Montero uniform, and it's ADD skids and ADD bumper. <laughs> sure. It's not a bad thing. But I was looking at um, the – one of the Luke who owns the Mark three rally car has a, I think it's a 95 Land Rover in that trophy yellow. Yep. With an ARB bumper on it. And I was looking at the thickness of the metal. I'm like, it's comparable to the ADD kit. Sure. And then, which I think is the whole point of the ADD. Yeah. And then like, I was looking at our buddy Jordan's Xterra. That's got a big bumper on it. That was that feels like it's a little bit thicker middle, but pretty close. But it's got yeah, that was a different cut on it too. Yeah, that's a like some extreme, like the company's like extreme something. I think the company is called Extreme. Yeah, it says Extreme on the front of it. Yeah, um, I got to drive that truck around Saturday. That truck's a fun truck. Yeah, it's a nice truck. Um, six speed, it's cool. But anyway, I was comparing and looking at it, so it's pretty. It's pretty comparable. It actually feels a little bit lighter than the factory one, which is kind of cool. So you're not throwing a bunch of weight on the front of the truck. Which it looks like you are, at least. <laughs> it does, but it sh- it's pretty stiff, which is good, but also not super heavy, which is also good. So you're not, like, nose diving. And it's cool because it, it makes nice mounts for, like, fog lights and winches and stuff. The winch actually goes between the frame rails. Right. And underneath the bumper. But the bumper, he, makes, he makes a winch mount, does he not? He does, but it goes yeah. under the bumper because it mounts to the frame rails. The re, The bumper is not a recovery point on these trucks. Okay. okay. You will rip stuff apart. There's nice factory welded recovery points on the end of the frame rails. Okay. There's like a eyelet and a hook. That's where you recover. If you yank on the bumper, you'll rip it right off the mounts. Interesting. Yeah, because it's just some 12 mil bolts going through the top of the frame horns that are also, the holes are slotted, so you can adjust the bumper there from the factory, but they're not, okay. you're not you're not meant to pull in that bumper. Oops. And his kit has slotted bolts in it too, I think, too, or slotted holes too, to compensate mm-hmm. for old Yeah, bumpers. so you can get it all yeah. adjusted up. Yeah. Nice. So are you, are you happy with the fitment of it now? Yeah, it looks good. Awesome. Are you gonna paint um, it? Oh yeah, I gotta. I gotta. Um, I want to finish welding on it and finish drilling holes in it. Oh, I did mount my license plate in it. I drilled holes in it and added rib nuts to the license plate already. Excellent. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be 
which is kind of crazy. I like I didn't really we eyeballed it to the end of the fenders because again every truck's a little bit different. Um, but this truck must have been must be pretty square because literally between the two wings where they overlap onto the centerpiece, measuring it, it's perfectly 30 inches. Like not 30 and a quarter, not 29 and whatever. It's perfectly on like 30. Interesting. Good. Yeah. It, yeah. It just worked out that way. Like it's just a nice square bumper. So. And I uh, got some practice with welding on, on decently thick material, which is yeah, definitely easier. So new new skill acquired. You're a welder. Uh, uh yeah, I'm a basic <laughs> welder. <laughs> you can weld. That's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I'm glad that that project worked out. I know at first you were a little bit like, "What is happening here?" But you sat down and figured it out and got it all done. So that's good. Yeah, so then finishing it, I'm going to coat, I got, uh, you told me to get etching primer. Yep. So, so I'll have to clean, it's just got a little bit of surface rust on it because it's just humid here. Um, I got like flap discs and surface prep discs for my grinder. I get it back to bare metal, etch it, etch, you know, hit it with etching primer. Right. Uh, and then I think I'll do like a couple coats on the inside of that. VHT epoxy paint that's like chassis paint. Just okay. black. Um, the outside, I'm going to do. It's. I'm like blanking on what they call it. It's the it's the bedliner material, but it's like the nice stuff that's colored. So it's got. It's silver. Colored to match the truck, pretty much. It's really close to the silver on the truck. And. Okay. It's close enough that what I'm going to do, and that's why I took the decals off like a year ago, two years ago, is it's I'm going to just gravel line all of the two-tone silver. So the bumper will be, it's like gravel guard silver. Okay. The silver on the bottom, gravel guard silver. And then the back bumper, somebody bumped into it. So I'm going to try to push it out, make it look nicer. And then the end caps that are all faded silver paint will be gravel guarded silver. I'll leave the chrome in the back. Yeah. Yeah, that'll look nice. Bring it all together that way. Yeah, so it'll be real subtle that the bottom is all gravel guard, and that also helps protect it because it doesn't have any fender line, any fender flares, um, any uh, mud guards anymore, those factory mud guards, because you can see behind the rear tire, behind the front tire, where that round part of the fender is, it's starting to get, the paint's starting to get worn off from rocks. Just from rock chips. Yeah. Yeah. So the truck's really coming together. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I got that dumb snorkel on there I did last summer. <laughs> really getting the overland glam up. Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> you gotta do something, right? Now just to use Whatever. it. Did, did you bring it to Maine? No, we had too many vehicles, so I just rode. Okay. It's too many people, too many vehicles. Yeah, it was really un- it was unnecessary for me to bring it. Like, yeah. So you didn't get to bring your four-wheel drive off-roading. We didn't do any off-roading, so. Plus, uh, we yeah. needed to. We needed certain vehicles in service, so that's why I had to drive uh, Jordan's Xterra. Xterra. We needed, yeah. So, so I we needed did. a body to drive stuff. 
I did some off roading. Oh, you did. I did some off roading this weekend. Yeah. Um, I went to Crown King. Yeah. Which is a town here in Arizona that's accessible only with high clearance vehicles. Um, Seems inconvenient. It yes, but it's also cool. So the entrance to the road to get there is only like 30 minutes away from my house. I'd never been up there. It's up, they call it the uh, Senator Highway. It's not really a highway. It's a dirt path off the, off the actual Interstate 17. Um, so do people live there? I think so. I know there's like stores and stuff. Um, actually, I just pulled it up on Wikipedia. There's 133 people that live there. So hmm. it's a former gold mine town. All right. It's been pretty much all but abandoned. Um, hopefully I can try to, when you're out here, try to get access to a truck that we can go use to get up there. It's super cool. Um, it's, like I said, the, the whole entire trip was like, if we hadn't stopped, it would have been an hour and a half to two hours door to door. And the temperature difference was 30 degrees because the elevation difference is almost 6,000 feet. So super neat, like quick escape from here and a little outside the town, a little further up, there's tons of camping too. So you can go up there and like camp for an evening and be back at home in no time at all. So super cool, like quick getaway place. Um, my friend Derek from work, the one who has the There Will Be Cars YouTube channel, gets pressers. Yeah. And he had a presser of a Toyota Tacoma, uh, Toyota Tacoma Trail Edition, like a brand new 2022. So we took that out and took that up there. And uh, in air-conditioned comfort, while we watched other people in the 100-degree temperatures at the, at the base in their side-by-side sweating. But we were in the air-conditioned Toyota pickup truck, which is a much better way to do it, I think. Another uh, reason why I don't understand the side-by-sides out there. No, I don't either. There's so many reasons to not have one. I don't understand the reasons to have one. You could do all the off-roading in a pickup truck that you own that you can also yep. drive to work and then use it as pickup truck. Correct. It's like a – It's a side-by-side is like having a jet ski. Like it's fun, sure. but it only does one thing. Well, out here they do more than one thing because you can technically drive your side-by-side to work out here. If I lived so. on a lake, I could drive it to work, my jet ski. Sure. But what I'm saying is there's no law against driving these things on the street out here. You could just jump on the highway and just drive to work. It's not a big deal. Except just being murdered by the sun. But Well, yeah, you would want to, but you could is what I'm saying. Uh, and I mean, a, a top of the line four door side by side is like 35 grand. You can buy a lot of truck for 35 grand. Yeah, weird. Uh, so, anyway, it's funny because... <laughs> I, I rode around in, in uh, Andy's Tacoma. So we're both in Tacomas all weekend. Yep. <laughs> Excellent. I don't know what years his is, but. I think it's a 19 or an 18. You're an 18 or a 19. That's really uh, new. Anyway, it was good. I, I mean. I learned I learned they it came with a factory GoPro mount to the windshield, which is. Yes. I was like, sitting. we're sitting in there waiting at remote refuel, and I was like. Oh, did you put this GoPro mount up here? It's got the the window black goes around it. He's like, nope, that's factory. I was like, what? It's so yeah. weird. So you can catch yourself being extreme. Yeah. 
So this one is not the TRD Pro. It's the, it's the uh, Tacoma Trail Edition. The Turd Pro. It's kind of neat, actually, because it, it gets some of the more important stuff from the TRD Pro without a lot of the like extra ephemera that costs more. So it costs like five or six grand less than a TRD Pro, but you get the yeah. skid plates. You get skid plates. You get an inch and a half of factory lift. You get uh, the next size up tire, and you get a rear electric locker. Ooh. Yeah, so it has all the stuff you'd want for going off-road with all the extra, like, stuff the TRD has. I don't even know what it is, but, I mean, this thing here was actually, it was, it was a pretty neat truck, and, I mean, I don't want to say it. Was it 40 grand? So the base price on the, on the Tacoma Crew Cab is 36, and with Whew. this package, the package added, I want to say, $3,700, and then with all the other little things that it had, it came up to 43 GoPro mount was $1,000. Right. But the thing is, is though, in a world where the average new car is thirty five grand, Yeah. I mean, 43 for this truck isn't a big deal. It seems like a pretty good deal. I have a very hard time saying that because I want to pay like 4800 bucks. But that's just my broke ass that doesn't like to pay for things. Well, in 2065, you can buy one of these for forty. No, you probably can't because a 1985 Toyota pickup truck is a hundred grand now, so <laughs> it doesn't matter. There, there are 80s pickup trucks, Toyota pickup trucks now that are closing in on six figures, and it's scaring me. The market doesn't make sense. I wonder what the pricing is on the Frontier. I drove a rental one; it was all right. It's about anyway. the same as a new Tacoma, but. Yeah. The good news with the Frontier is a used one is a bargain compared to Tacoma. So, yeah, I did that whole after going off-road, I need an off-road vehicle again moment, um, in which I want a Montero. But also, I was like, I guess I could deal with an Xterra or a Frontier. Yeah, after so. driving Jordan's Xterra, I was like, well, if I had to replace the Montero, I would look for an Xterra. Yeah. They're not bad vehicles. It's the closest thing. And the Frontier is pretty convenient because it's also a pickup truck. So Yeah. But anyway, nonetheless, uh, I, had, I had a good time. It's neat. It's good to get away when it's 110 degrees here, uh, 115 degrees to a place that's 85 degrees. Um, because also at 6,000 feet, there is no humidity, and 85 with no humidity is perfect. So it was a good, it was a good day, and I want to go back. I want to spend some time up there and actually camp up there and just my stuff. So just need to buy a vehicle. Eventually we'll get there. Cool. Yeah. That's pretty anything much it. Else? I think that's pretty much it. I haven't done anything else. I mean, that's a lot actually. So, yeah. This was longer than I expected. Yeah. I got that. Uh, yeah. I'll just leave it there. Everything else is fine. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'm gonna go. I'll, I, I won't have. I, I don't think we're gonna do an episode next week. If you want to find another greatest uh, greatest hits episode, uh, I will be away, um, so I won't be doing anything car related. So I won't have anything. But yeah, we'll have to come up with a. Maybe you can pick one. I picked the last couple ones. Sure. I pick want one to you like. The What's your favorite one? We'll, re- we'll replay it. Yep. So gonna, yeah, next week when you gonna replay the one about the um, attendant at gas stations. Oh, right. That's a good one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll go back and get that one. Uh, so, yeah, next week when you guys tune in, we'll, uh, you'll have a, a repeat episode. But, uh, I don't know, 
it's, it's good because some people don't haven't listened to the older ones. Nope. Um, and then uh, you can hang out with us on Discord. We'll be there. Yeah, for sure. So, I'll be there all week. Yeah, get us for the hit us up for the link. Uh, you can come play. We've had a couple couple more people join. Yeah, we're closing on like twenty people over there, so it's actually it's a fun little yeah. conversation. Some good little spirited discussions. Most people have the same kind of opinion on we most cars, but occasionally general, we have some disagreements, which is yeah, we have the important. same general opinions, which is good. But we have our own opinions about those general opinions. So yeah, it's, it's fun though. And actually, I've been posting. It's a good place to escape the rest of the internet because it's all cars. Yeah. And I've actually been posting more of Project Car stuff there than anywhere else. So Yep. I've noticed that what's my, going on. my Instagram usage has gone down a little bit because I've been posting there instead. Well, they made it really annoying lately. So it's just like tons and tons of videos. I had to like really work on that. My feed to make it not just videos and super. Yeah, annoying, I'm not so. sure how to do that yet. It's what it is, what it is. But anyway, excellent. Yeah. So where can they find you, right. Andrew? Other than on Discord, where they should find you. Well, on Instagram, of course. Race and Anger. I'm on Twitter, Race and Anger. Uh, podcast is on, is Auto Off Topic on Instagram. Auto Off Topic Podcast on Facebook. However, we're not on there very much. Mostly Instagram. Scale Autocast. Uh, I haven't seen you do any posts lately, Brad, but it's uh, been we'll a get busy week. I, I have I have a bunch lined up on the docket. So cool. I know I oh. got a bunch of new cars I need to take some photos of. So yeah, I have that as well, but I also have a bunch lined up. So we'll get and there. It's been a, it's been a busy week. Everything that's been extracurricular has fallen behind, unfortunately. I swear, I swear, we're working on an episode of that podcast. Yeah, well, it's it's um, life's been tough. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Brad, where can they find you? So they can find me as always on Instagram at TSISS350, as we previously discussed on the Discord app. And that's really the main places to see me. So find me there. All right, cool. As always, keep cars analog and name for it. Yeah.